and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 102. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Next Gen's sixth season episodes, Suspicions, Rightful Air, and Second Chances. Here we go. Suspicions, Season 6, Episode 22, Production Number 248, Original Air Date, May 9th, 1993, Directed by Cliff Bowl, Written by Joe Minoski and Naren Shankar, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Patty Yasutake as Alyssa Ogawa, Trisha O'Neill as Kurak, Peter Slitzker as Rega, James Horan as Joe Brill, John S. Reagan as Christopher, Joan Stewart Morris as Tapan, Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. Guinan, with a case of tennis elbow, visits Beverly in her quarters, only to find her packing her belongings. She has been relieved of her duties and has been summoned back to Earth to face a formal inquiry and the beginning of the end of her Starfleet career. It all started when those scientists came on board. No, it started when I got curious. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's why I went to the Altine conference. I'd heard about a new subspace technology developed by a Ferengi, a Dr. Rega. A Ferengi scientist. Okay. I'm assuming we're all going to agree that this is, you know, the best episode probably in the series, I guess. Yes, the best episode of the entire Star Trek canon. <laughs> <laughs> wow, did I just like this. You know, I remembered <clears throat> this episode kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of sucks. Yeah. And it, and yeah, it, it holds up in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Met your expectations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's too bad, too. You know, because it's it's unfair when you've got somebody like Crusher who gets so few episodes anyway. Yeah. And then when they give her one, it sucks, you know, a lot. Um, that And that's not cool. We did have a good, I don't remember which one it was, but there was one not too long ago that we were all like, oh, this is a good Crusher episode. See, they can do it. Yeah, but here, this is more like, this, <laughs> this is more like it. <laughs> yeah. More like what we expect for, for poor old Crusher. Yeah, um, I, think her, I think her next one, doesn't she have a romantic one coming up with the guy in the flame? I don't remember yes, liking that one that's either. That, that's my, that's probably the second worst episode of Next Gen for me. The seventh season episode with the, with the haunted house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, my problem with this episode, it didn't even fit her. So they have a, it's not even medical related. It's like engineering related. It's like, why is she involved in this? It's yeah. almost like, it's almost like they wrote it for Jordy and then he wasn't available. So <laughs> they just threw Crusher in there. Huh. Well, there's just like, I mean, where do you start with what's wacky about this? And, and we always say, you know, little things you don't notice if it's a good episode, but it, if it's a bad episode, you notice every little thing. I mean, and, and yeah. like I said, like, why is she investigating? Why is, uh, how does she get her job back so quickly at the end? Well, you know, and, and, and the big thing for me, just kind of in a general sense over the whole thing, is that it feels like the the dialogue is so just out out in left field or whatever. You know, it's like so, it's like someone wrote it who does, knows nothing about the characters or something. You know, it feels, it feels more like like they had a they had a, a couple sentences of a story and then they just tried to force all these things into it. Yeah, yeah. No, like, yeah. Uh, there's some basic things. Yeah, some basic things um, that 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 bug me. Yeah, like you said, the things that normally wouldn't. But for example, like. She's doing this thing, and and they, they have the, this test that that ends so tragically. And she says, "Okay, 
I guess we have to shut this project down until Riga Riga uh, perfects it. And I'm just like, wait, I thought he was just asking for funding. Isn't that the whole point? <laughs> I got so close. I got a ship in a star for a few minutes. That's that seems yeah. like worthy of funding. Yes. Why we have to shut it down until he perfects it? Well, then what does he need research for if he perfects it? Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my, I don't understand. Well, my whole thing is like, why did you have to send a live person in the shuttle? Yeah, that's another really one. You're like, why? This was my favorite part. They picked like the most dangerous star to to have <laughs> tested. And this kind of got. They just yeah. kept up in the level every single time. Yeah, in what like, way would the it's, test it's, have it's, been different if they had just sent an unmanned ship? And another thing is like, you know, it's like. When the, when they're all like, well, we don't trust you to pilot the shuttle into the sun. I'm like, well, how is he going to fake that? Beanie <laughs> <laughs> out there, you know, what's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, one that really cracked me up is the, is the, well, and this is something, of course, if you really start analyzing it, it's kind of dopey. But the security protocols, you know, like, so she is removed from duty, right? So she can't open the medical records, yet she can launch the shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, there's um, listeners forgive me I'm on a different headset today it's a one day thing only so I can't mute my little throat clearings sorry about that Uh, (laughs) uh, one that gets me after the act the the tragic incident and she's like I think it's in her VO um, I knew this this incident could end the Ferengi's chance you know so I have to do this and I have to help him and I'm just like those are the stakes because <laughs> you want, I mean, not the, not the chances if it's getting funding, the, 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 the drama was supposed to be that he just wanted to be, get accepted, be, feel accepted by the other scientists. So those are, those are our stakes in this episode is whether or not other scientists respect the Ferengi. Yeah. There was no setup. So you never really get a clear idea why she's so passionate about this fella. You know, it's yeah, like, where does all, where's, where's all this coming from? Why is she so like, First of all, they make it a Ferengi, which is at this point in Star Trek, Ferengi are not a very high up species. They're very much looked about, down upon, so they have that going against them. And then uh, there's no bond between them that's developed. It's only like you know, hey, I met him at a conference, and I, you know, I liked his research, and so I figured I'd help him. Out. This also feels like a waste of a guest appearance by uh, Whoopi Goldberg too yeah. for Guinan. Yeah, I know. I could be remembering this wrong, but I believe this is her last appearance oh, on yeah. the show. Okay, um, and it was kind of a last-minute thing hmm. uh, that they had to write her in because all of a sudden they found out this was when she was available. Oh, um, so that's why that happened. But then she, you know, she's not on the show again. I mean, she's she's really featured in generations, of course. But yeah, um, so that's that's. I mean, that's a crappy way to go out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah this is this episode. Hmm. Um, there's got to be something. Let's say something positive. Okay, I don't have to. I'm the I'm the host. I can make you guys do it. <laughs> I like the uh, I like the bad guys makeup. Um, I like. Oh, the, I, oh, oh, you're talking about the the guy that pops out of the box. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I I like the science behind the episode. I think it's kind of cool. Like you know them going inside a star. You know. Yeah, well, they they reused, reused that again in a couple episodes, right? In in a much yeah. cooler way. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, actually, you know, um, Beverly's in charge of that <laughs> as well, so she get so she has experience at least by that time. Mm-hmm. 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 <sighs> wow. Um, 
Well, all we're doing is picking it apart because this episode is not any good. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm sorry. I really yeah, I don't yes. have anything for what it's about either. I wouldn't even begin to no, know. No, yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. Because we're, we're, this is going to be like the shortest discussion ever. Mm. So, Yeah, like I, said, like I said in the beginning, it just seemed like they just needed to have an episode. And this is the best they could come with, up with. Is this the first the time, time we've, seen the, we've seen the morgue? The what? Oh, the morgue. Um, yeah. I think probably. it is. Yeah. I'm not positive. I'm not positive, but I think it is. <clears throat> Perhaps. Because that was- <laughs> So that guy basically sat in the morgue tube for three or four days, just chilling. And I and I've tried and I you know again these are nitpick things, but so in this in like four hundred years from now, you really have to do like a physical autopsy to get whatever information you have out of a body. You know, I mean, it's so much of it doesn't make sense. Well, see, what I didn't also get. So she did an autopsy on the first guy. How did he live through that? Yeah, they're just really cool, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, how was he able to, you know, yeah, he, I guess he doesn't feel any pain because obviously you're being cut open and your insides are being, yeah. Just, yeah, that's quite something. This this uh, episode also has more fodder for our favorite uh, pastime, Who's That Guy? Oh, yes. Um, Some Who's That Chick moments. You know. Who's That Girl? Well, let's yeah. keep it with the G. Oh, yeah, Who's That Girl? Yeah, so. <laughs> WTGs. Yeah, right. Um uh, Joe Brill, you know, Jack in the Box um, in the shuttle at the end there. And then, so boy, he must have been, I don't know how long he's been waiting in the box and hoping mm-hmm. that she was going to fly the shuttle away. Is <laughs> <laughs> that the plan? Did he just know that she was going to come get the shuttle? Because yeah, otherwise, yes. why would he have been in the box? I don't know. He's but, awesome all around. Yeah, so he's awesome. And he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting in the box. And then when he pops out of the box, um, after all this science and investigation and stuff, the the climax is a fight, of course. Uh, and she does like a roundhouse or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Where she learned that, but that was clearly that was that was who's that girl? Definitely. Yes. There was another who's that? Oh, I, I know. I, hole. I love the girl. donut hole in his chest. Yeah. When the, when the Klingon, when the Klingon knocks yeah. her down, that's yeah. Another <laughs> yeah. But you're right. At the end there, that wasn't that was actually a decent um, effect. Yeah. I don't remember what it looked like in standard days, but uh, yeah. Okay, so we you don't even think for what it's about. Mm, yeah, we'd, <clears throat> we'd be. I'd be stretching. Well, they're, yeah, they're they're probably trying to say something about because of like the conversations with Guinan, and they may have been trying to go with a, you know, follow through and go with your gut and blah 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 or something, you know. And blah blah blah. Also, if she 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 like totally vaporizes. So if, yeah, she puts the gives him the donut hole, uh, and she like completely vaporizes him. Mm-hmm. Well, that, well, this species is so bizarre. You know, obviously they yeah. can live through autopsies. They can they have precognition where shuttle you're going to take, <laughs> yeah. and there's only Fox. one dial on the phaser between donut hole and vaporize for them. <laughs> it says it says stun donut hole. Vaporize. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm like if she vaporizes him. When she goes back to the Enterprise, when she calls them up, she's like, you're never going to believe who it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they just totally trust her. They're reinstated her. Like, cool. Yeah, we're, we're not going to believe you. you. Really? No, you're still fired. That would be. Say, <laughs> so, well, his, uh, there's a, a donut hole sized piece of his stomach laying there somewhere, maybe. 
Well, no, because that got vaporized. That's yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming it's just There would be some residual particles that the guy left just on Just like the... in the air that they're all breathing in as they walk around? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> like, smells like so-and-so. You know, like... <laughs> 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 smells like Joe Brill in here. What is this? <laughs> oh, hey, folks. Oh, man. Yeah, this episode's terrible. All right. But they can't all be winners. Yeah. Just ask the Royals. Oh, man. Uh, you have to go there, Brian. Uh, it's the only way you can, you know, work it out. Yeah, if you got to talk about it. Just talk. Yeah. Let it out. Yeah, right. All right, let's do. Uh, geez, let's do some six degrees for suspicions. Uh, Steve. Yes. Trisha O'Neill plays the Klingon scientist Kirok, a woman that apparently has no problem hitting a lady. Back in Next Gen's third season, in the episode. Yesterday's Enterprise. She played the captain of the Enterprise C. Name the character. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you realize that was the same woman? Oh, well, now you say it, the face matches in yeah. my head. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't register with me. Um, is it a uh, Garrett, Rachel Garrett, or something? You like are that? right, Captain right. Rachel Garrett. Cool. Uh, Mr. Caesar, this is a very rare event where someone answered a question during the discussion, so I give this to you. As a freebie, James Horan plays Joe Brill, the Takaran scientist who likes hiding in boxes so that he can sneak up on female doctor pilots. Just a few episodes from now, Horan will play Lieutenant Barnaby in Descent Part 2. What acting captain will Barnaby take orders from on the Enterprise? Um... Will he take orders from what captain? Will he take orders from? Who's the acting captain? The acting captain of the Enterprise would that be? Oh, that would be Beverly Crusher. That's correct. One and one. Moving on. Rightful Air, Season Six, Episode Twenty Three, Production Number Two Forty Nine. Original Air Date May Seventeenth, Nineteen Ninety Three. Directed by Winrit Colby. Story by James E. Brooks. Teleplay by Ronald D. Moore. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Alan Oppenheimer as Karath, Robert O'Reilly as Galron, Norman Snow as Torin, Charles Esten as Divock, Kevin Conway as Kales, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. <laughs> Worf has a crisis of faith and explains to Picard that his recent experience in the Carva sector, from which he brought back Klingon children, has left him empty inside. Picard grants him leave to visit the planet Boroth, where the followers of Kalos wait for their leader's return. Worf attempts ritual ceremonies in the lava caves. Frustrated with his progress, Worf suddenly sees a swirl of smoke and light that reveals Kalos, and he has returned. I gave talk and the others a belief in Stovokor, the life which lies beyond this life where Kalos awaits us. When I saw the power of their beliefs, I began to question the strength of my own, and I found it wanting. Rightful Air. Uh, Mr. Caesar, why don't you kick us off on Rightful Air? Rightful Air. Very. It's. Um, I do remember this episode. You know, it's kind of... you. you you hear all these years about KLS and they finally um, kind of bring him back. You got the whole Klingon thing, which I think it's an episode, you know, which we all enjoy. We all love Klingon lore, the mysticism behind it. It's kind of, it's the spirituality that Worf is going through. He's always kind of struggled with his Klingon S if you will. So um, there are a lot of good things in this episode that I like. Um, I, I I, I like the political in infighting once Kalos does come back between Galron. Galron's a great character. It's fun to to see him back. Um, 
I like how they kind of came to a resolution to the episode. I guess the only kind of one complaint about it would be is like, you know, it kind of feels like they could have done a lot more with it. You know, anytime you have these Klingon type episodes, it's kind of, I feel like I always want more. Occasionally, you know, they'll do a two part episode, um, episode with it. And so that's kind of how I felt with, with this episode. Yeah. You know, it's, um, this episode wasn't quite <clears throat> quite as good as I'd remembered it, but it's good. Um, it's funny though because I think um, maybe Second Chances was even better than I remembered it. Uh, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here, and I think I think I think it's because you know the, the, hey the, the the point of our show is to, to look at these things with hindsight to ask what it's really trying to say what kind of questions it's really asking and I think this is an example of an episode that otherwise is is fine but the fact that it's really asking some questions about you know faith and your belief system um, and we'll get into that for what it's about but but because it's really trying to really trying to ask those questions uh, I think that elevates it. You know, I think this is an example of an episode that goes from, from, from fine to good, mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's keeping with some of those those uh, traditions of Star Trek, which is it's kind of funny to say because I can't imagine, you know, I, I cannot. Yeah, one of the first things I think about with Gene Roddenberry is, um, you know, and I'm not saying this negatively, but you know, he was definitely uh, and like atheist, right? Um, right. I, I can't imagine this episode, anything remotely resembling this episode, being say in the original series. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but yet I do think this is this is keeping in the best tradition of Star Trek because it's it's asking these um, you know universal questions about the human condition. Uh, Steve, what are your first first thoughts about this episode? Yeah, I uh, I don't love the episode, but I did I did enjoy it, and uh, I think for a lot of the same reasons we're talking about, it's a you know the the Klingon thing, you know it, it's it's interesting when you have a, a a good solid Klingon episode, an episode that kind of fits into the Klingon continuity, and it's and it's fun for uh, Trekkers because you have you know several references to uh, the past, other episodes we've seen, and so on. So that's like something extra you get out of if you're if you're a fan of the series, and um, and yeah, I do I do think it's uh, it's it's deep and it, and it raises issues and makes you think about you know how different people perceive faith and what that means and so on so yeah i, I enjoy it overall uh, yeah the, you know there's obviously parallels to with this episode with um humanity's own um religious beliefs you know not just christianity there's a lot of different religions throughout the years that have you know talked about the return of a basically a savior um, that's not um, specific just to Christianity so I mean they're obviously you know keying into the keying in on that and, and talking about like does it matter if the person that you believe in comes you know the savior does it matter if they come back is it just uh, you know th- towards the end of the episode the um, you know when um, Kayla says to warp does it does it matter? if he returns or not, it, it, it only matters if you believe in the teachings and follow them, which, um, which I, I tend to agree with. Um, it, all the other, all the other stuff is just kind of fluff. It's just more about what, what's, what you believe in and what you do with those teachings that it really matters. And I think that's kind of what, what Worf got towards the end. I think that's kind of what they were going with, going for. 
I like that scene with uh, Data. Um, maybe it's a it, it felt like just a, a bit of a stretch because we haven't really heard anything like that from Data about his past. But mm-hmm. you know where he does say, um, basically, I chose to believe that I was something more. Mm-hmm. You know, that mm-hmm. was my starting point. Um, yeah, that's that's a really beautiful sentiment. I think uh, that obviously uh, Worf takes to heart. I, I like their first encounter when he was like, oh, I don't want to talk to you about spirituality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like the actor that does Kayla. I thought it was uh-huh. very good. Yeah. Um, I really liked, uh, you know, uh, they're on the Enterprise. Worf says to Gowron, give him a chance. Come on, give him a chance. And, and you kind of think that next scene is going to be, maybe it's going to be Gowron opening up or something, you know, but immediately he's like, what color were his eyes? <laughs> yeah, really, he's drilling him, and and you you realize, uh, you know that that he's that 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 in a way he's perfectly right, and he's certainly right for Galron. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when you step back in the episode and you think about, like what Caesar was just saying, the reference that that ending uh, where where Kayla says, you know, the words are more important, and you know, what what do you choose to believe? Then you realize that that concept is. You know, Gowron doesn't get that for sure. There's no chance that is that that requires a level of of um, empathy and um, and belief that Gowron does not have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gowron's a, a politician through and through. Yeah, exactly, exactly, totally. And, and in a way, I think it shows um, it shows it shows the weakness of a politician. You know, a lack of a lack of it shows you that as a politician, an important trait is uh, emotion is an important trait. Imagination is an important trait in this in this scenario. You know, mm-hmm. um, Gowron does not have that. Gowron yeah, I mean, Gowron didn't want to give up back. any power. So yeah. I mean, you know, he had to, they basically had to twist his arm to even let him be emperor. Um, yeah, it was only when Worf told him, um, regardless of the facts, some people will choose to believe. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So for him, it was just it was a. It was a necessary compromise, nothing more. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I always remember, too, there was a, I think it was in one of those Michael Jan Friedman books, but there was a book that kind of picked this up. It was one of the few, like, of the novels that I, that I read. It was like the standalone ones. I read a fair number of the numbered ones, but there was a book that they picked all these characters up right after this. I think it was, it might have been called Kalis. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think yeah. I read that one. It's been a long time, but. Yeah. I remember liking that book. Um, yeah, ahead. I was trying to. I mean, I was trying to. There, we don't ever see or hear about this character again, do we? Yeah, that's kind of the reason I mentioned the book is that it was. It, I always kind of felt like this. This episode, maybe, it was a better idea than it was a script, um, and it would have. It would have been interesting to follow up. You know, DS Nine for sure. They had, yeah. Yeah, totally. That would have been the perfect opportunity. Um, it feels like maybe they mentioned the Emperor or something, I don't know, but definitely we never had this guy never came back and played Kalis. No. He had a great voice for Kalis. I think yeah, you know I, I think the only thing, you know, he was kinda small, which was kinda like <laughs> he was kinda short. Well, what I thought was funny was um uh like Steve, I don't know if you watched all the extra features I mean excuse me, all the deleted scenes on the Blu ray. Oh yeah. 
So this is not the first time. This seems to happen with Klingon episodes. It's like I think the people that write, you know, even people, even experienced Klingon dialogue writers, they write this stuff like they're going to read it as fast as everybody else, and they forget that the Klingon performers chew over every line. You know, so yeah. you end up with a script that written <laughs> the last forty six minutes on television, and it's an hour long after they're done shooting it. They got to go through and cut out. And you end up with like ten minutes of deleted scenes or more, which is uh, absurd for an episode of Star Trek. But this is the same thing that happened on that, the one where uh, Worf was down on the planet. Uh, uh, by the way, he mentions or, or Picard asks him about that, right? Picard asks him. This is just a nitpicky thing, sorry. But Picard asks him. You know, right before he, Picard says, "Okay, you're on leave, buddy." Uh, right before that, Picard says, "You know, you're, something to the effect of you're troubled by from your experience rescuing those kids on the planet." Blah blah blah. Right? Yeah. But didn't Worf specifically keep that secret? He said, "I rescued them from a transport or something" at the end of that yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's vague about it. Yeah. Well, that was a little continuity. This is my this is my one a little thing that since you were talking about, I, I love the fact that like you know when they have to take a um, a shuttlecraft somewhere, it's like re, like two or three weeks. He's like, oh, it's only tw- twelve days yeah. to Boroth <laughs> in a little space shuttle, and like do it for those go, twelve days, man. You go crazy. <laughs> well, I think it's funny how quickly everyone seems to know how far it is at whatever yeah. warp speed. I mean, data is one thing, but then when it's like, oh, yeah, that's just uh, five, <laughs> five and a half days by shuttle if you're going this fast. How's everyone just off the top of your head? You know, I mean, it's. You know, I do, li- I do like that they, from the stories of Kalas, Boreth is just a planet near a star that they were looking at in the sky. Yeah. Uh, before they could even assume, assume, uh, we assume before they even had. You know the ability to travel there, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Um, if you can imagine us looking at this guy now and thinking about that, and then so that's kind of cool. Um, what's this episode about? Oh wait, I wanted to tell one other story. I forgot. This was just funny. This doesn't have really anything to do with anything. I was watching this episode. My regular Blu-ray player does not like the Star Trek discs. It never has. So the only time I I use my my PlayStation to play a Blu-ray is when we're watching Star Trek. So I don't know if you guys have ever played a Blu-ray on your PlayStation, but if you press a funky button on the remote that doesn't work at that time, you get this little on-screen text. <laughs> and the scene when Kalis, <laughs> when Kalis sees him like with the tricorder, and he's like, "What were you doing?" And you know, it's like you were going to check me with your tool there and make sure I'm real. And Warps, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, proceed. And Worf pulls out the tricorder, and then right at that moment, my cat jumped up onto the <laughs> onto the couch, and he stepped on the remote. But my wife didn't see that. So my wife didn't see that, and, and, and he says, he pulls out his tricorder, and then on the screen, in tiny little letters, right above the tricorder, it says, this operation not available here. <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me like she was so confused. And it took me a minute to realize. And she thought that was the tricorder. Anyway. Okay, now... <laughs> Silly tricorder. Yeah. Uh, silly cat. You had to be there, right? It just had to be there. I thought it was funny. <laughs> what uh, was this episode about? Um, I kind of thought it was summed up, like, as we were talking about with that end scene, you know, it's a, it's it's about faith and, and, and believing in acting out the words of faith and... Um, it's not necessarily, you know, when you hear stories about your religion and everything like that, it's not taking things literally. 
it's believing in the words and, and following the practices and not taking everything literally. Yeah, I think it's a it's a story about faith and what faith means, and I think it this episode has a lot to say about that. You know, it's it's that kind of notion that you choose to believe this despite you know any kind of evidence. You know, it has nothing to do with evidence. It's nothing to do with reality. Um, it's something that you feel compelled to believe uh, in spite of you know what you see and hear and so on. I, um, yeah. I, I think it has something to say. Um, it's interesting. One of the um, the Boreth guardians or whatever, the, the main guy, there's that scene when Worf wants to leave. He says, it's been 10 days. There's nothing for me here. I'm leaving. You know, and he says, um, you must look without doubt or hesitation. I always think about that. That line, I think, sums up a lot of this, too. Just this, this idea that there are some questions for which there are no answers without faith mm -hmm. you know um i've definitely <laughs> i've definitely found that uh to be true um and i think that there's a lot of uh simple wisdom in that you know i was thinking about it you know there's really not um if you you think about spirituality and star trek i mean most of that comes out of um deep space nine you don't really i never really felt like Next Gen asked a lot of spiritually based questions, and so and this was a very um, good episode for that. And it was, you know, and it was basically not very evident in this episode. So I, I kind of I, I dug that a lot. I like that a lot. Cool. So it sounds like we, I think we all kind of agreed. I mean, not the greatest episode, but a good solid episode. Mm -hmm. um, definitely elevated by its themes. Mm -hmm. It's clear, very clear themes. All right, let's move on to Six Degrees for Rightful Air. I believe our score is one to one. Um, Adam went second last time, so Adam, you can go first this time. Okay. Alan Oppenheimer plays the Klingon Koroth, the high cleric on Boreth that really wants Kalos to return. While Oppenheimer had Trek roles from both DS9 and Voyager that I could ask about, I'm going to ask what I think is the same question I asked the last time we saw him, because I will always ask questions about He-Man if I can. <laughs> what villain's voice did he do in the incredible 80s animated show He-Man and the Masters of the Universe? And if you know the show, then all you have to do is hear him talking to Worf. You must look without doubt or hesitation, and you will know the villain he played on He-Man. Skeletor? You are correct. It was Skeletor. Steve, uh -huh. Charles Esten plays the Klingon Divok, who gets a personal invite from Kalos during his vision on Boreth. In Voyager's third season in the episode Remember, Esten played Dathan Alaris, one of many Anarans that are part of a series of visions uh, that which crew member of Voyager experiences? Uh, I didn't word that very well, but you understand. Yeah, I think so. Is that the one? Is that Taurus? You're correct. It was Taurus. Wow. Two to two. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That, that means one more. One of you guys is going to get one more, and then Bumgarner is going to come on. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bumgarner! 
Second Chances, Season 6, Episode 24, Production Number 250, Original Air Date, May 24th, 1993, Directed by LeVar Burton, Story by Michael A. Medlock, Teleplay by Renee Echeverria, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Mae Jemison as Lieutenant Palmer. The Enterprise returns to the planet Nirvala to retrieve data left behind by Starfleet researchers when they were forced to evacuate eight years ago. It has taken this long for a transport window to open in the planet's distortion field, finally allowing a brief attempt for people to beam down. Riker led the evacuation operation while lieutenant on the USS Potemkin and returns to oversee the retrieval. However, when he beams down to the surface, he is met with an unexpected surprise. A man appears to be his identical twin. You were both materialized from a complete pattern. Up until that moment, you were the same person. But of course, as you and Lieutenant Riker have lived very different lives for the past eight years, you are now very different people. I suppose it's a little like meeting someone's twin. Second chances. Um, what a what a wonderful way to explore this relationship between Troy and Riker, which you know people that watch this show have been wanting for years and years. Uh, without actually committing anything for your main characters, mm-hmm. you know, without making it weird for them right after this episode is over, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, 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 it's great. And, uh, the whole episode, maybe there's a couple things here or there in the, in the episode that, that I don't like as much as other things, but, um, I tell you the scene in 10 forward after Thomas Spryker sends, um, Troy in that little scavenger hunt and she ends up in 10 forward. The scene between those two in 10 forward is so wonderful. It was the best scene for me of all the episodes we discussed today. And it's just these same two performers we've seen on next gen for six years, uh, you know, talking at a table. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's That's good writing. That's great performance. Uh, and I love that scene. You know, I, I totally believed them. I totally believed uh, that you know, she was looking up at the stars years before, and he was looking up at the stars, thinking about her, mm-hmm. and they were sharing this moment that we're only now hearing about. It was going, it was great. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, what are you guys' first thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, I, I definitely kind of like the concept. It's kind of weird at first. It's kind of, I think it's kind of disconcerting at first. I think that's probably what they were going for. It's kind of like. Really, they're going to go with this because it seems like it could really be goofy and bad, mm-hmm. but um, it turns out all right. Um, you know, Thomas Riker, I, I kind of wish they still would have done a little bit more with him. I mean, we get to see him in Deep Space Nine, obviously, but after that, we never know, find out what happens to him. And you know, you start to think about for me, it's like you kind of start in episodes like this, I kind of put myself in um, the shoes of, of, of Riker in this case, and it's kind of like, yeah, I could. I, I like those little things with Worf, like, you know, you see things in that person that you don't like, and that's what causes the frustration. Um, I just kind of like that idea of exploring that a little bit further, um, specifically to what Worf was saying about um, Will Riker and Thomas Riker. You know, they're pretty much exactly the same person, and the reason they don't like each other is because they see these things in each other that they don't like. And um, I would like maybe like to have seen a little bit more exploration into that. Um, and maybe not in this episode. I don't think they could have fit it in, but maybe later on. But yeah. 
Well, I think that the one thing that holds this episode back just slightly for me, and I'm serious when I say like that one scene, man, I love that scene. You know, I mean, I really, it's it's really beautiful. Um, but the one thing that holds it back a little bit, maybe, and I don't know, maybe this isn't fair to complain about, but, um, you know, right, Thomas Riker says, you know, uh, number one, Riker says, you know, hey, if, if, if he had gotten off that planet instead of me, don't you think he would have made the same decisions? You know, and, and he says that to Troy. And you want to say, well, but he didn't get off the planet, mm-hmm. you know? But they did have bump card. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, did, he did not get off the planet. Okay, so that defined him in a different. He's he's a different person now, and he really was thinking about you. And he basically is saying, "I would not make that mistake. I, Thomas Riker. Well, what I'm gonna I'm gonna be Thomas Riker. I choose you over my career. But by the time the episode's over, here's the complaint. By the time the episode's over, it feels like he kind of is choosing. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, if he really wanted her, couldn't he just say? I'm resigning my commission and staying with you here. Well, he says, well, it'd be weird for him and the other Riker. Well, you've waited all these years and she, that she really is that important to you. Make it work. You know, I mean, if you have, you know, um, I don't know, take some leave and at least investigate it see what it's, what it's like. You could go down there and work with Mott, the barber, and you'd never see number one. (laughs) Um, I don't know. That, so that, that holds it back just a smidge for me because it kind of makes everything he says before that, you know, everything he says during most of the episode, it makes it seem just a little bit disingenuous. On the other hand, it's probably, you know, Riker is who he is. They, they're both really Riker, and we've already seen what Riker does tend to choose. So yeah, I guess I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm just complaining because what makes the episode so lovely isn't 100% true Thomas yeah. Riker. Yeah, I understand that, but and I think at the same time, you know, it's only eight. It's eight years difference, you know, but that's a lot of experience. I mean, if I think of um, change some piece of my history eight years ago, and what different, you know, there'd be some significant differences probably, but there would be some similar, you know, some stuff that's the same too. And I think that's what's so interesting to explore because, again, I think I think this is this is one of these that we, as we say, it's it's a good episode when you can't help but talk about what it's about and things as you go. But mm-hmm. you know, there's there is that question of how much of you is just that built-in personality based on how everything fires in your head and how much of it's the sum of your experiences and um, so on. And that's what we get to see here, you know, is, is um, I think, I think number one is right. You know, he's the same guy. If, if he would have left the planet, he would have made that same choice. He didn't. So where do you go with that? You know, and it's, I don't know. It's, it's all very interesting interesting like paradox if you will yeah caesar you have any follow-up to that um no i i kind of i kind of agree you know it's it's more intriguing because you know you when you watch this episode i think the first time you feel like they're twins i mean i think even um who has a picard even brings that up so i think initially they kind of it kind of plays off like they're they're sibling it's more like a sibling rivalry than necessarily that they're the same person um honestly and honestly the one thing that i was thinking about is like you know eight years alone on this planet i just kept thinking to myself well tom hanks was alone for four years and he went pretty nutty and this guy seems <laughs> to be pretty well adjusted <laughs> so yeah. um well, that's that's what i was thinking about like a minute ago steve when you were talking about eight years I mean, to me obviously I mean, that's the biggest difference though is yeah. that Riker 
our you know number one Riker was living his life. Yeah. Thomas Riker's life stopped, you yeah. know, and he had only himself and his thoughts and his thoughts of Troy, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a miracle he survived. Mm-hmm. I would definitely have been speaking to volleyballs. Yeah. Do, do you think he had like a little gold locket with um, Troy's picture in it that he set up on a cave and looked at it at night with the flashlight? <laughs> <laughs> and then when he when he had a bad tooth, he had to rip it out with a string. Yeah, I, I the very first time he sees her, she walks in and he says Imzadi and he kisses her. Yeah. I guess he must have already known she was on the ship or something. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. He didn't react as if, oh my god, what are you doing here? Right, right. Yeah, they didn't really kind of go into that too much. Yeah, that's true. I like the yoga scene. Um, Troy could teach me yoga anytime. Uh-huh, yeah. I'd be like okay a, with that. A good technique. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely remember my lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's that. Um, so, so refresh my moment. Thomas Riker, what he gets... Um, Frustrated with Starfleet, and he sympathizes with the Maquis. That's what happens to him in Deep Space Nine. That kind of the chest. Well, I, I think in DS Nine it was a little bit more of maybe just a little bit of jealousy for the real Riker, and he wanted to kind of make up for lost time when he should have been going up in the ranks. And so, you know, the Maquis made him a captain, basically immediately, right? I think there was, maybe, yeah, or yeah, he wanted to separate they, himself from Riker in some way. Yeah, else. yeah, yeah. William yeah. Riker, right? Will mm-hmm. is that your uh, recollection, Steve? Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you guys, do either one of you guys have a favorite scene that you know, other than the, that? Do you, either one of you guys disagree with me about the, the best scene? Is there another scene you thought was? Uh, most memorable. I I also was touched by that scene that you described. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I yeah, thought definitely. it was. I thought it was. You know, it, and it and it is a, an excellent job of writing and acting because it so easily could have turned silly. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, we say this now and then, so I guess it's not a revelation anymore. But um, you know, these the you know. Frakes and Sirius are underrated a lot of times of acting, both of them, you know, I mean, this, I mean, you know, he, you know, he has to pull this off with these two characters that are the same, but they're not, you know, what are the yeah. subtle things I'm doing differently? You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And you can tell, and not just from oh, yeah. his hair, not just from his hair, you can tell from the way he's talking and stuff, which, which right yeah. here he is. It's yep. very good. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it about? Individuality, lost love, yoga love. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we've kind of touched on a few of the themes here. You know that, um, yeah, that opportunity to evaluate yourself, you know, in, in a very unique way is what this does. And I think uh, so often, for most of us, we're our worst critic. You know, we uh, we we look and see what could I have done and what should I have done? Well, if you have a scenario where you can literally see what would happen under a different set of circumstances and, um, and it, it 
brings into question what are your priorities, how much, how much are you who you are now because of some random circumstances and events that you had no control over, you know, and how much of it's stuff that's, the, you know, you, you for being you, what's firing in your head and so on, you know, and I think that's what's interesting about it. Makes me think a little bit of, of Kirk in Star Trek Two, my life that could have been and wasn't, you know, with mm-hmm. his, his uh, child, you know, the, where the where uh, she asked him to stay away, but yeah, that yeah, was easy for him to do because he didn't really want that life. Mm-hmm. You know, and they kind of return to these themes in Nemesis with Picard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, with the because of his clone. <sighs> Yeah, that was uh, Mad Max, right? Yep. Which looks pretty cool, by the way. That's my favorite trailer of the year. Uh, yeah, Not no, Avengers? Oh. Come on, Brian. I know how you love those Avengers movies. Yeah. Yeah, remind me at the, at the end of the episode to talk about our upcoming holiday episode. Because we're almost okay. at the end. Okay, so I think we've uh, covered this one. And, uh, really, uh, um, I remember this episode as being good, but I think it was better than I remembered. Uh, okay. Um, six quick, yeah, for, for a sec. Hmm? I was going to say Frank's is um, you know he's the last la- the last two podcasts he's I, I kind of felt like early on in the oh, yeah frame of he mind did, yeah he did well yeah I, f- I kind of felt like early on in season six Frank's didn't really have they didn't really give him much to do and a couple times in a couple episodes at least they kind of made him the the a hole um, and then so like the last couple of, he's been it's he's really gotten some good episodes we've really gotten to see. Um, what Franks can do, and you know, more in depthness with um, the character of Riker. So it's been good. Cool. Okay, six degrees for second chances. You guys are tied up. Um, <laughs> now, now I'm regretting one of these questions here. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Or Steve. <laughs> I'm thinking of a number between one and five. Steve, what is it? Three. <laughs> Adam, what is it? Two. Adam got it. Jonathan yeah. Frakes, Adam. Jonathan Frakes plays Lieutenant Thomas Riker, the young lieutenant that learns yoga isn't all bad thanks to a lesson from Deanna Troy in Star Trek The Next Generation. Jonathan Frakes also played the XO in the Enterprise. <laughs> Uh, name the character. I was out of. There's nobody in this episode comes back. Obviously, there's nobody guest. No guest star. So, um, I'm sorry. You went through that question a little bit fast. I, I did. Didn't I? <laughs> uh, Jonathan Frakes plays Lieutenant Thomas Riker. He also plays the XO of the Enterprise. Name the character. <laughs> <laughs> Commander Riker. Yeah. So you see why I was. I, I didn't want to choose uh, who was getting that question. Oh yeah. Uh, Steve, your did you write that in Klingon, Brian? By the way, did you write that in Klingon? It's just kind of. Good. Bad joke, go ahead. <laughs> Steve, this is your chance to tie it up. All right. In DS9's third season, Frakes will play Thomas Riker again. Name the episode. Ugh. Um, You're going to know it when you hear it. It's kind of his attitude, but it's also referencing something else. Oh, is it Defiant? You are right. It was Defiant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it was okay. I gave him a hit because uh, Adam got a relatively easy question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It seems kind of weird that episode was named Defiant. You'd think, like, you know, they would give Cisco the lead in, uh, in, 
for a Defiant episode. Or they could have the first episode where we see the Defiant. That's not yeah. called Defiant. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that this has ever happened before where you guys have each gotten every question. In all these years, I think we've tied, but we've tied before. But not yeah, but I don't think you've each gotten every question after thrown at you. So I don't know. Okay. Interesting. All right, so um, we're just getting smarter with age. Right? <laughs> I guess so. Let's see, not exactly how I would put it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, folks, thanks so much for spending an hour with us. Um, so. I'm going to throw this out there. So we're going to have uh, what we got. We can have one more episode that we're going to finish up season six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then two weeks after. So two weeks from now, we're going to have an episode that's going to finish season six. Two weeks after that is Thanksgiving. So we will not post an episode that day. We will wait one week for the first episode to discuss season seven. Uh, and that will also allow us to watch the Blu-rays because those come out the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Is there a Tuesday after Thanksgiving? Okay, because I'm yeah. planning on I'm planning on getting seven for the the last season. Yeah. All right. Season. Oh, so we'll all watch. <clears throat> um. Then two weeks after that, we will do our annual holiday episode. Now, um, in years past, we have mostly done just mostly talked about other told our other Star Trek stories, and then only dipped our toes into non Star Trek stuff. Um, but this year, I think at this point we've told most of our Star Trek stories. So well, I got a, I got a, I got a Counselor Troy interview we can throw. Yeah, on we're gonna we're gonna put that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to send and, that to you, by the way, so you can yeah. have it. <laughs> and we're going to, we've got a couple of ideas. We're probably going to talk about our favorite movies of the year, maybe some of our favorite TV shows. Um, so I'm just throwing it out there. If any of our listeners have any ideas for things they'd like to hear us talk about. On that episode, send him in. Uh, one of, I already asked one of our listeners, Benji, because he emailed us uh, about something else the other day, and he responded. He had a, a great idea. He'd love to for us to talk about um, other podcasts we listen to. Not we're not just talking about Star Trek podcasts, but I mean I don't know about you guys, but I listened to several podcasts, and he thought that that would be an interesting conversation for us to have. So that's a that's a good one. That's a good example. Um, and of course, if any of our listeners, you know, if you guys have any. You know, um, either emails or uh, audio things you want to send in. You know, we're going to include those. So I'll remind you again. Um, we've still got a couple more regular episodes before we get to that one, but uh, we're just a few hours from November, so it's coming up quick. All right. Um, so thanks again for listening. Uh, you can leave us a post on our Facebook listener page. That's Facebook.com/slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at uh, uh, Trek Companion. You can also send us an email, uh, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Uh, so until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.